1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including visits with Bob Levy He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We're talking about those terms of service with big tech companies that we almost never read, but they have big implications. And also we'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Lots to talk about with Andy as well. It is July the 19th and on this day in 1799, although there is some debate about the exact date, during Napoleon Bonaparte's Egyptian campaign, a French soldier discovered a black basalt slab inscribed with ancient writing near the town of Rosetta, about 35 miles east of Alexandria. The irregularly shaped stone contained fragments of passages written in three different scripts, Greek, Egyptian hieroglyphics, and Egyptians demotic. The ancient Greek on the Rosetta stone told archaeologists that it was inscribed by priests honoring the king of Egypt, Ptolemy V in the 2nd century B.C. More startlingly, the Greek passage announced the three scripts were of identical meaning. The artifact thus held the key to solving the riddle of hieroglyphics, a written language that had been dead for nearly 2,000 years. <clears throat> when Napoleon, an emperor known for his enlightened view of the education, art, and culture, invaded Egypt in 1798, he took along with a group of scholars and told them to seize all important cultural artifacts for France, Pierre Bouchard, one of uh, Napoleon's soldiers, was aware of this order, and when he found the uh, basalt stone, he was uh, almost four feet long and two and a half feet wide at a fort near Rosetta. When the British defeated Napoleon in 19- 1801, they took possession of the Rosetta Stone. Several scholars, including Englishman Thomas Young, made progress with the initial hieroglyphics Alice of the Rosetta Stone, French Egyptologist Jane francois Chapollon uh, who had taught himself ancient uh, languages, ultimately cracked the code and deciphered the hieroglyphics using his knowledge of Greek as a guide. Hieroglyphics used pictures to represent objects, sounds, and groups of sounds. Once the Rosetta Stone inscriptions were translated, the language and the culture of the ancient Egypt was suddenly opened to scientists as never before. Today, the Rosetta Stone is housed in the British Museum in London despite being repeated calls for it to be returned to Egypt. So many artifacts in the uh, British Museum uh, from uh, Egypt. Interesting story. The dead language. Former President Donald Trump said Tuesday that he's received a letter informing him that he's a target for a Justice Department's investigation into efforts to undo the results of the 2020 presidential election, an indication that he could soon be indicted by federal prosecutors. He made the claim in a post on True Social Platform, saying he received a target letter while his family, uh, with his family on Sunday night. <clears throat> Such a letter can precede an indictment is used to advise individuals their prosecutors have evidence linking them to a crime. Trump received one uh, ahead of his being charged last month in the separate investigation in the mishandling of classified documents. A spokesman for special counsel Jack Smith, who office is leading the investigation, declined to comment. Prosecutors in Georgia are conducting a separate investigation into efforts by Trump to reverse his election law in that state, uh, with top prosecutor in Fulton County signaling that she expects to announce charging decisions in the first several weeks uh, since Sunday. In his post, Trump wrote that uh, they now have effectively indicted me three times with the probability of the fourth time coming from Atlanta and adding in capital letters, this witch hunt is all about election interference and a complete and total political weaponization of law enforcement. Trump was indicted last month on 37 felony counts, accusing him of illegally retaining hundreds of classified documents, as his Florida State Mar-a-Lago. Mar- He's pleaded not guilty. A pretrial conference in that case was set for Tuesday in Fort Pierce in Florida. They continue this behavior, and every time that uh, they indict Trump, he just becomes more popular and his uh, poll numbers go up. Everybody can see what's going on here, and uh, of course, uh, the left is trying to say, Well, he's being indicted, doesn't that prove anything? And of course, it, what it proves is there's a two tier sh- justice system, and they're trying to use lawfare uh, to get rid of Trump. It's not going to work. President Trump was also is hosting a screening of Sound of Freedom tonight at the Trump National Club at Benminster, uh, New Jersey. Trump will be joined at the screening by uh, the uh, Vestuji. I'm saying that incorrectly, Verestugy, Jim Cavusel, and Ted Ballard. as uh, has the produced the movie, Cavusel starred. In the movie, and the movie is based on the life of Tim Ballard. The screening will be attended by club members and supporters. Uh, Sound of Freedom grossed $41.7 million in the first week of release and opened at number one in Texas, Florida, and Arizona theaters. The feature is taking the nation by storm, beating out Disney's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny into July 4th to move uh, ticket sales, despite appearing in far fewer theaters, securing top position in the box office for that day. The film is based on the true story of federal agent Tim Ballard's mission to save children from sex trafficking in Columbia, Uh, Liberal uh, media outlets have refused to review the film, while publications like Rolling Stone, Washington Post, CNN, and the others and The Guardian have trashed the film and mocked the millions of moviegoers who purchased tickets for the screenings. Nothing to see here, they're saying. Well, that's not true because the public is just soaking it up. In his first month in office, President Trump said he was prepared to bring the full force and weight of our government to end human trafficking and signed an executive order directing federal law enforcement to prioritize demolishing the criminal organization behind forced labor, sex trafficking, and child exploitation. Yeah, his leadership, by the way, resulted in a fourteen percent increase in human traffic uh, trafficking convictions in two thousand seventeen over the prior year. In two thousand seventeen, President Trump's Director of National Intelligence raised the issue of human trafficking to a to a pri- top priority for America's intelligence agencies. In two thousand eighteen, President Trump made history as the first president to participate in the President's Interagency Task Force to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons. As President Trump uh, took historic steps to enter human trafficking and protect the innocent, in January 2020, President Trump recognized the 20th anniversary of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act <clears throat> and signed an executive order on combating human trafficking. So he's done a lot on his part. Last In May, if you can believe this or not, the Department of Justice removed language about human trafficking from its website. What is behind that? Can you does this is this indicating some sort of support of human trafficking? Now I know I've mentioned uh, this movie, uh, Sound of Freedom, several times uh, on this show, but I do recommend that you see it if you haven't seen it already. It is uh, alarming. It's also extremely entertaining and inspirational. The life of uh, this. Uh, individual who uh, performed these amazing acts well despite attempts to deflect whistleblower claims by house oversight ranking member jamie jamie raskin uh committee chair james comer said a former fbi agent has confirmed the details of a cover-up in testimony on monday a former FBI supervisory special agent assigned to the FBI's Wilmington office and the Biden criminal investigation confirmed key positions of the IRS whistleblower's testimony. Uh, Comer wrote in a statement on Monday, the transcribed testimony confirmed that the uh, IRS whistleblower claimed that the that high-ranking officials in the Biden administration worked to undermine investigations into Hunter Biden. The night before the interview of Hunter Biden, both Secret Service headquarters and the Biden transition team were tipped off about the planned interview, Coomer said. On the day of the Hunter Biden interview, federal agents were told to stand by and could not approach Hunter Biden. They had to wait for his call. As a result of these change in plans, IRS and FBA criminal investigators never got to interview Hunter Biden as part of the investigation. The testimony amounts to a cover-up by the uh, Justice Department or top-ranking officials of the FBI, according to Comer. The Justice Department's efforts to cover up for Biden's uh, reveals a two-tiered justice system that sickens the American people. He concluded the Oversight Committee along with the Judiciary Committee and Ways and Means Committee will continue to seek answers, transparency, and accountability that the American people demand and deserve. All this, of course, in juxtaposition to the indictments of uh, Uh, John, uh, or Donald John Trump, just incredibly how transparent the uh, uh, dual system of justice really is. They, They really think the American people are so naive. It's unbelievable. Well, Eva Moskowitz, who runs a charter school in New York called Success Academy, you've probably seen it. I've seen it featured a couple of times, I think once in 60 Minutes, reports the stellar results of the New York State Regents Test. The 808th graders, 92% of whom are minorities, passed with flying colors. Here's what Eva had to say about this. Most excited about algebra, algebra, which our kids take in 8th grade rather than 10th grade, more than 98% of our scholars passed, across 13 middle schools, which about half getting the highest score of 5. This means they can take advanced courses in high school that will genuinely prepare them for college-level work and careers that follow. Now here's what's even more astonishing. Charters like Success Academy received roughly $18,000 per student f- uh, for funding last year. The district spends $38,000 per student on f- failing public schools. In other words, success provides a much better education at half the cost of a New York public school. In a rational world where black lives mat- really do matter, New York City would just get rid of teacher unions and contract out its entire public education system, success academies, <laughs> at half the cost. Just unbelievable. But that's not going to happen, of course. Uh, I suggest it happen right here on the Paradise Coast in Cayuga County. I think it's a good idea to change each public school into a charter school And run it exactly the same way, you may be aware, I'm uh, on the board of Optima Education Foundation, and uh, they do exactly that. They start charter schools, and the the results have been astounding. Well, Biden keeps saying that the most inane things about uh, how much taxes the rich pay, he claims that millionaires and billionaires pay a lower tax than a schoolteacher or a firefighter. He says repeatedly that the rich pay tax rates of anywhere between 3 and 8%. He wants new millionaire and billionaire taxes to level the playing field. Well, maybe his millionaire son Hunter has found a way to pay 3% tax rate, but the latest IRS statistics tell us an entirely different story. The richest at one out of 100 Americans now pays more of the federal income taxes than the 90, bottom 95 out of 100. There's almost no country in the world that relies on the top 1% to pay a larger share of the tax burden than in the United States. Notice the tax share of the top 1% went up after Trump tax cuts. Again, t- uh, the Trump tax cuts did a world of good for Americans, but also for the country. The uh, revenue uh, after the tax cuts increased amazingly this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at johnson's air conditioning naples longest established air conditioning company i hope you give them a call the website is johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples the website is life in naples.net coming up bob levy the chairman emeritus of the cato institute that and more right here on the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network at lulubees.com and stop by lulubees diner open from 8 a.m until 2 p.m seven days a week lulubees diner in the green tree shopping center at the corner of a and airport pulling roads stop by Lullaby's diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time Will you still love me Or call the Collier Senior Center at 829 252 4541
0: (laughs) That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. got some great performances coming up. You can visit the website and get tickets, golfshoreplayhouse.org. gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Always a pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you.
1: Thank you, Bob. Can you tell us about the Cato Institute?
4: We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and our primary focus is on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. And on the web, it's C-A-T-O dot O-R-G.
1: Very robust website. I'll help you check it out. Cato.org, Cato dot org, dot org. Bob, we've started a conversation about the terms of service that uh, seem unreasonable. In fact, I don't know that I've ever read the terms of service, even though I click off and say that I understand and agree with them. Uh, when it comes to big tech, so uh, we talk about uh, the free markets playing a role in dictating terms of service. Is government intervention justified?
4: Well, I think even even the hardcore free marketers concede that uh, there are some tactics that are just unacceptable. And that includes things like print that's so small you can't read it, uh, thousands and thousands of words that would take you hours to go through, uh, you know legalese that's impenetrable unless you happen to be a lawyer, and and all of that uh, more than offsets whatever advantages there are for having standardized uh, standardized forms. And the result of that, if you have that, is prohibitive transactions costs, uh, you know, you, you get a, a, it's a market imperfection. It's a little bit short of outright fraud, mm-hmm. but it can negate the element of consent. That is, as you say, you, you look at this stuff and it's such a big burden. You just say, the heck with it. I'm not even going to bother reading it. I just check the box. And so, you know, a government may have a legitimate uh, role to play. And I think the worst alternative, however, would be to empower government uh, to dictate the selected terms of service. You know, things like, oh, you can't waive uh, litigation and you you can't allow the website to use your, your personal data. If that's the product of negotiations between the website and the user, that's fine. But if it's the product of government intervention, I think that's quite a problem.
1: Yeah, it's sticky, sticky issue. So, so what are your recommendations?
4: Well, I think what's more sensible and more consistent with our uh, time-honored <clears throat> belief in the uh, in private ordering and and freedom of contract would be the government to focus on just reduce the transactions costs, ensure that users can knowledgeably accept or reject uh, whatever bargain uh, they've been offered. So. You know, things, the measures might be so prosaic as specifying uh, what's the minimum size type font, you know, or what's the maximum word length of one of these agreements, uh, or what's, you know, what's the grade level that you have to be before you could understand such an agreement. And, you know, some of the other requirements might be uh, advanced publication of any changes to the agreement, an opportunity for users uh, to comment uh, prior to implementing uh, the agreement. And government might even propose uh, one or more uh, templates which the website could alter subject to a- appropriate notice and clarity uh, in negotiations with their user base.
1: That makes sense, Bob. I, I would also, uh, it came to mind that uh, what about uh, just a, a precy or a summary uh, with uh, one sentence on each thing, and then if you wanted expanded explanation, you would cite, uh, you know, the the issue uh, in the uh, in the in the complete uh, document. But anyhow, I mean, there should be something where you could just look at it in uh, a minute or two and just figure out what's in there.
4: Absolutely.
1: <clears throat> so, uh, how do you reconcile your proposal with the libertarian views?
4: Well, you know, government intervention mm-hmm. may offend. Market purists. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think simple, specific regulations that are directed at facilitating the bargain between private parties, that's far less intrusive than government intervention that mandates uh, what the terms of the agreement are going to be. Uh, oh, sort of a one size fits all uh, terms of service. So ideally, big tech might react by offering variable terms uh, with trade offs. For example, We'll give you fewer ads in return for allowing us access to your browser history. Uh, The ingenuity of the private sector is boundless as long as you keep the transactions costs reasonably low and government doesn't do any more than sort of lubricate uh, the wheels of commerce.
1: So interesting, Bob. So thank you for that. So on a a related topic, what problems are posed by big tech's use of artificial intelligence?
4: Well, there are a lot of potential problems, which we've been reading about, including uh, privacy issues, uh, disinformation that's floated, propaganda, (laughs) harassment, defamation, uh, incitement, fraud. So, for example, suppose you had a public figure who was defamed. Now, typically, that would require, when you sue, that the party who's accused of defamation knew that the published information was false. Mm -hmm. But if the party that you're suing is some artificial intelligence program, one of these AI bots, they have no reasoning ability and no consciousness. So it's not possible that they would know the falsity of the information. So maybe you sue the creators of this AI bot and hold them uh, liable, but the, the creators would also not likely know that specific output from the AI system was untrue. The culpability of the creators relates more to how they designed the product rather than how they verified specific uh, information that the product produces. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, what percentage of AI responses have to be false before the product is, is deemed to be defective? And, and furthermore, if the claim is for a defective product, ordinarily a plaintiff has to show that he was physically harmed, you know, like with the case of lead paint or the Corvair. Product liability cases do not ordinarily comp- compensate when your reputation is injured. So we may need a, a new sort of uh, tort action that combines elements of, of defamation and, and product liability. Or perhaps we should hold the AI creator liable only if the creator has advanced notice that some information that's been produced is wrong and the creator declines to correct the error. So under that framework, the goals would be transparency and disclosure, and you'd have appropriate warnings to users of the information. The bottom line is we need a legal framework that guards against potential problems but encourages this kind of product innovation and product improvement. And that framework is a work in progress. It's, it's worth the battle. AI is a remarkable, incomprehensible uh, advancement in innovation.
1: Oh, thank you for that. That's so interesting. I may have misunderstood, but <clears throat> what about the user? You mentioned the creator, <clears throat> but the person who decides to use AI to publish something that may be uh, detrimental, uh, defamatory. Doesn't the user have a responsibility to, to look over?
4: Absolutely. If the user itself, the user <coughs> himself, republishes the information and doesn't exercise diligence in certifying that the information is true or false, then the user can be held liable. The degree of that liability would depend upon whether the defamed party is considered to be a public person. There's a higher standard If you try to defame somebody who's a public person, than if you defame somebody who is a private party, Uh, the standard there is negligence. The higher standard is a reckless disregard for the
1: truth. Yeah, I guess it should also be an exchange of information. People can report on uh, things that are. Incorrect in, in the it's much like the I forgot the name of the or whatever it is the uh, uh, but uh, this website that allows people to to uh, put input into uh, the uh, the site but also uh, correct the site if it's in uh, producing incorrect information in other words yes, w- Wikipedia Wikipedia thank you for that yeah so how about a thought like that to, where people could have an exchange of information going back and forth indeed. Bob Levy, again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. C-A-T-O dot org is the website. Bob, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, uh, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for... Or of the Bob Hartman Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement? AmeriPrize Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nordella with Nordella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach,
2: You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today.
0: Back to the Bob Harden show and now here's your host Bob
1: Harden. thanks so much for joining us here on the show we' are providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government and the rule of law we have with us Professor uh, Andrew Joppa he's also the author of uh, Josephus of Oz a terrific read off topic for today's discussion but Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Good morning Bob.
1: Andy, we typically start our Wednesday conversations with good news. Do you have any good news for us?
3: There's a real good news story, as far as I'm concerned, and there's some other stories uh, that are not good news in themselves, but I think they expose the absurdity of the left in in many areas. Uh, as we're going to air, Bob, I'm uh, just watching Byron Donalds on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Fox and Friends. Now, uh, Byron, you know I've long touted his uh, potential as a vice presidential. Uh, made for uh, for Donald Trump in 2024. Yep. Uh, he was just asked the question yesterday, and he said, of course, he would accept that. And several other congressmen are supporting that. So uh, I'm not suggesting there's a dramatic growing momentum for Byron Donalds, uh, but I am saying he's becoming that prominent that the question would be asked by the media and supported by, by many congressmen. So uh, you, and uh, I know, also uh, admire Byron for what he's accomplished uh, is His incredible knowledge base and uh, his ability to articulate that this is an outstanding outstanding american Bob
1: he is indeed, and I must say uh, uh, our friendship goes back many years before he actually got into Congress and uh, supported him all along the way. He was one of the first spokesmen for the uh uh I forgot what the na- name of the movie was um, movement was about ten years ago, but irrespective uh he has just been a breath of fresh air, and I'm so proud that he's our congressman here from our district.
3: Now, I think he came out of the Tea Party movement. That, that's at that it; point. it's the
1: Tea Party. Yep. I
3: had interviewed uh, Byron back in 2012 in terms of the Constitution in front of about uh, 200 people, large audience, fairly large audience, and uh, my job was to uh, to challenge uh, Byron Donalds at that point as his uh, first run for the Congress. And uh, I I hit him on every constitutional question and challenging question I can think of. I've never seen anyone able to withstand that kind of questioning and come out so quickly and articulately with a knowledge of the Constitution. I mean, he he absolutely amazed me. And from that point forward, I have been a big Byron Donald supporter.
1: Absolutely. Of course, he just spoke at the uh, session this uh, past uh, Turning Point, and he just did a great job. It's very, very... Uh, charismatic, enthusiastic, uh, uh, spontaneous—he just uh, does a great job. Uh, any other good news?
3: Yeah. He, by the way, he, he described himself. I'm just reading this now as a Trump-supporting, gun-owning, liberty-loving, pro-life, politically incorrect black man. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I just love that description. So, uh, and it's accurate too, which I think even it matters more. Uh, yesterday, uh, Ilan Omar the uh, congresswoman uh, indicated that the uh, earth has set the highest temperature record in the last 120,000 years which obviously is absurd. I mean, no one knows anything that happened before the year, like, let's say, 1800 even. Uh, so let's say to go back 120,000 years, another absurdity from the left in terms of their their claims on, on climate change. Uh, this goes light along with Greta Thunberg predicting that uh, humanity would be wiped out by June of 2023, I haven't noticed, uh, and John Kerry back in 2013 uh, indicating the Arctic would be ice-free. Uh, So, again, you can look at these claims by the uh, by the members of the left, by the Democrat left. And and you can see their their absurdity, their ridiculousness, their their willingness to lie, overtly lie to the public to to try to influence their perspective. And unfortunately, in all too many cases, Bob, they are succeeding with these grotesque distortions of reality.
1: No question. In fact, you're reminding me that uh, John Kerry is our uh, czar, I guess, a climate change czar. He's not been confirmed by the Senate. He's not a part of the cabinet. And yet he's flying around to different countries, making huge commitments, in some cases as large as a billion dollars, to support different movements around uh, climate change. His most recent trip to uh, China is basically, uh, he he talked about working out some sort of arrangement with, uh, an agreement with China on climate change, which really his mission, is what he's trying to do is to bypass the difficulty they were having with uh, Uyghur workers and slaves to produce uh, these uh, sun panels. And, uh, you know, he's just out of control. You know, I must say, I do not like the man. He bloviates. He sounds like a... (laughs) He's just a lot of hot air. I just don't like John Kerry. Look, I haven't liked
3: him since 1973, when he appeared before Congress, coming back from Vietnam at that time, right. and, and decided that we Vietnam veterans were, or veterans, uh, as they we acted in the field, were acting like the forces of Genghis Khan, as he called us at that point.
0: Ah. Uh, you know,
3: so and he said we were cutting off ears, and you know, th- these were uh, minor events. Uh, Minuscule events from a vast army in a very difficult situation, but he came back and condemned all of the Vietnam veterans in front of Congress. And uh, since that point forward, I've had very little uh, good to say about John
1: Kerry, Bob. I remember when he was uh, he was running for president and he didn't get elected. <laughs> and when he got the news, he said, "What do I do now?" <laughs> he said, he well, can he can't make a decision. I'm um, sorry,
3: that question was answered actually by somebody else because he was put into a position of, of authority. I can't think of any position where more damage can be done. And in the current position he is in, as, as climates are, yeah. uh, certainly we, we know that this has seriously uh, damaged our, our energy resources, has uh, seriously damaged our, our ability to project into a successful future.
1: Uh, and
3: John Kerry has certainly been a major part of that uh, of that process as it's, uh, as it's unfolded, Bob.
1: Absolutely. Any other good news?
3: Uh, Again, by by the same uh, consideration, uh, there's a story in in New York City where a black man and and many others were awarded incredible amounts of money after they had previously failed the teacher's examination. Uh, One is projected to receive $2 million uh, in lost compensation uh, from a total uh, layout of over $2 billion, all going out to people who had not pass the teacher's examination. We talked about this last week. This was a case not of measured discrimination, but of discrimination based entirely on disparate impact. In other words, 90% of white teachers passed the test, 53% of blacks, 50% of Hispanics. So based on that disparate impact, that alone, no, no consideration at all as to whether there was any discrimination in the test itself, Bob. There is two billion dollars that's going to be given out to people who haven't worked a day of their life in education, and yet will receive anywhere from a million to two million dollars
1: each. Unbelievable, Andy. Well, you know, affirmative action is a thing of the past, but it looks like it's still rearing its ugly head even after the Supreme Court decision.
3: Well, this is, again, the Supreme Court decision was not, uh, in my estimation, as sweeping as it should have been positioned. Yeah. Uh, it should have been seen as a general rejection of the, the basic concept of disparate impact, which, you know, for your listeners, disparate impact does not deal with discrimination. Affirmative action does n- never directly addresses discrimination. It's nothing to do with discrimination. Uh, so these, these type of situations are allowed to persist, because they were not dealt with directly by the Supreme Court in their college admissions ruling, so uh, I think it was weak in that area, and should have been—it should have been much stronger. Bob,
1: Andy, we need to take a little break, and you stick around. I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Hardin Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: For more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
2: Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics real estate insurance and electronics to programming boot camps supply chain management and more these classes are online affordable and focused on what you need to know learn more today by visiting hodges.edu and clicking on workforce readiness because with hodges university you'll stay near and go far
0: Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Odds. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, the president announced yesterday, I guess it was on Sunday, that he expects to be indicted about the January 6th thing. uh, it's, which has been so discredited so far, but what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I saw um, much of his interview uh, last night. With uh, it was listed as a town hall with uh, Sean Hannity. Um, I can see that uh, Donald Trump was concerned about it. He's uh, he handles these things extremely well. This is a very serious situation, and I'll I'll get to that. I just wanted to say a few comments about uh, both Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis uh, at this point, and it's just a moment in time. At this point, I favor Ramaswamy over DeSantis. And I'm, I guess I'm basing this, and let me make the point clear that I, I admire Ron DeSantis. I've told you this many times. But recently, when he, when he uh, just uh, day before yesterday, perhaps yesterday, uh, he indicated that Trump should have acted more forcefully uh, on January 6th. At this point, to put any more coal on that fire, gasoline on that fire for Trump, just is just not acceptable to me. Uh, Ramaswamy has impressed me with his, uh, his knowledge, his courage, his articulation. Uh, even though Ramaswamy had, had condemned Trump immediately after January 6th, his most recent comments and since that point actually have all been very supportive of Trump, including his actions on January 6th. Uh, so I just wanted to say that in my, in, in my, uh, mind's evaluation of these two candidates and I'm sort of like the average guy let's say although I don't think of myself that way but let me say I am uh, I think that that's happening in the minds of a lot of voters. So, unfortunately, I think DeSantis is being diminished. He uh, he had released 12 of his campaign people um, for various reasons unknown. Uh, I just think that uh, he's not showing up well. I just hope, as I've told you many times, that Ron DeSantis does not diminish himself uh, for the future uh, dur- during this process of the primaries, Bob.
1: Well, my comment about that would be, first of all, Ramaswamy is an extremely impress- uh, impressive guy, and uh, he's a breath of fresh air in the campaign. I'm so glad that he's running. I don't think that he has a chance to win, but irrespective, I think his stock has gone up with a lot of citizens who didn't know anything about him, and I think he's, he's going to be an important player uh, in the future in the United States. With regard to, De, to DeSantis, uh, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. I think this is great that he's running. I think it will give him some great experience to run in 2028. He won't win in 2024, in my opinion. But nevertheless, uh, the, he's stepping out. He's making some mistakes. Some things are going on he didn't expect and so forth. The point being, he's going to be far more ready for the 2028 run just by running in 2020 for 2024.
3: I, I certainly want to agree with you on that. And I, I do agree with you on that, Bob. Uh, again, it's still my. Same lingering concern that this process may weaken him. Uh, I'm I'm not predicting that as an absolute uh, uh, projection of this this process. Uh, But again, it's it's a concern I have for Ron DeSantis that in some way he'll be damaged. Uh, as the uh, 2028 uh, campaigns start to roll around. But again, I agree with you on this in terms of the point you made, Bob.
1: Thank you. So, uh, and I would also say in politics, our memories are very, very short, so I don't suspect it'll have any lingering damage to his, uh, to his future. So uh, what about the indictment of Donald Trump? What are your thoughts?
3: Well, it's, it's uh, certainly serious. This is not something that can be taken lightly. This is not a, a brag indictment in New York. Uh, It it isn't one of these things. This is a serious uh, possible allegation that's going to be made, a seditious conspiracy. It's uh, just short of treason. Uh, If we can look at uh, another person who was uh, convicted of seditious conspiracy as it pertains to January 6th, uh, it's, um, uh, what's his name, Rhodes, uh, who was a Yale School graduate, former Army, Army paratrooper, and again, he was convicted of seditious conspiracy uh, and, in fact, sentenced to 18 years in prison uh, based entirely on things he said. There was no appeal to any of his actions, no, no citing of any of his actions, uh, and he, in fact, uh, lays out a, a serious warning to Donald Trump that he will be railroaded, he'll be found guilty if he goes to trial, and if so, uh, there's a very good chance that Donald Trump will wind up in prison. Now, uh, that, that is not necessarily uh, anything that can even be given odds in terms of, Bob. Yeah. Uh, but I think, in, in my estimation, if that event happened, if it ever happened, I think it would be a potential existential moment uh, for the existence of this republic. Uh, I, I have no way of projecting exactly what would happen if, the, if America did nothing if Donald Trump was sent to jail, uh, then, again, that would be a death knell, in my estimation, uh, for this country. If, on the other hand, if it turned into something more dramatic, more violent, let's say, I'm not in any way advocating that, uh, then I think that would also be a potential death knell for this republic. So I'm looking at this situation with with Trump, their willingness to distort lies. They're going to uh, take him to uh, to uh, trial in Uh, In Washington, D.C., the indictment will be uh, put before a grand jury in Washington, D.C. The judge will be a a Washington judge, no doubt. Uh, So the chances, in my estimation, that he will be indicted, tried, and perhaps even retained in prison while awaiting trial, that possibility exists. Uh, This is a serious, serious moment uh, for America. Perhaps I I can't think of anything that I would have projected uh, forward to as seriously as this, this event Megan uh,
1: Megan Well, thank you for uh, your thoughts and comments on that. I personally believe that the uh, January 6th prisoners are being held and getting excessive uh, 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 sentences primarily to just uphold the whole notion of uh, trying to, uh, President Trump. I think this is all kind of supporting evidence to demonstrate. And they're doing this, and and, and there's no justice for these people and the January 6th prisoners. And it's just so unfortunate. It, it is so distasteful to see the dual system of justice that's going on right now. I will point out that if, in fact, President Trump is uh, imprisoned, he can still win the election and still serve as president. So uh, there's nothing that will get in the way of that. And I think it's just going to embolden his supporters. And I think you'll see his polls go up as a result.
3: Well, if we look at the polls, that certainly is indicated right now. I'm, I'm not particularly hardened by the fact that uh, Donald Trump will be able to be the president in uh, in an orange jumpsuit uh uh, that's certainly better than anybody on the left being, being in the Oval Office. Uh, on the other hand, I think this would be a a, a tragic moment for our republic, uh, one that uh, I just do not think we'll uh, escape from unscathed. I think there'll be serious, serious ramifications uh, if this was to unfold. And it, it looks like it has a very good chance, unfortunately, of unfolding. Uh, if I was to go back to a A book that I read at the end of 2021, you might have uh, seen it yourself, written by Julie Kelly, which is uh, January 6th, how Democrats Use the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Uh, She indicated that uh, with little else to run on, Democrats have decided to fully place their chips on January 6th as a gamble to keep control of Congress and dissuade Trump supporters from backing his run in 2024. Uh, so, again, this is at the end of 2021. So yeah. in her estimation, and she was the best research journalist on January 6th. In my estimation, uh, she was predicting quite accurately how January 6th would unfold as a politically uh, generated uh, manipulator, Bob.
1: Well, thank you for that, Andy. Again, we're going to take a little break and you stick around. Certainly, I'll Uh, be here. All right, we're going to have more here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show
0: here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement?
2: ever ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with live chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources, your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu EDU, or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so
1: much for joining us here on the show. Just a couple of thoughts about our advertisers. I want to just acknowledge uh, Blue Provence Wine Cellar for being named one of the top 100 wine sellers in the world, and I'll repeat that on the in the globe uh, by uh, wine spectators. So congratulations to them. And when you go into Blue Provence, have a wonderful meal, but also yeah, take a look at their wonderful selection of wines as well. Also, of course, uh, Blue Provence, I should say, uh, 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 Bluebee's Diner serving dinner now. Not only great breakfast and lunch, but dinner Wednesday through uh, Saturday. Uh, 4 to 8 p.m. right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. I hope you'll stop by and enjoy It's terrific, great food and great prices and it's informal. It's just got everything you want. So Again, Lulubi's Dine in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Good morning, Bob. I'd like to mention that there's another hurricane evacuation, I'm going to evacuate to Bee's diner. <laughs> there's one place I want to be during a hurricane, that's where it is.
1: That certainly makes sense, Andy. And uh, Andy and I have uh, break bread together there many times, so I just enjoy that. So, uh, you know, uh, Ayn Rand has a great background, a great history, and uh, she's a great intellectual. And uh, I remember reading, I think it was uh, the Capitalist, Capitalist Manifesto. I've read so many of her books. I just want to get your thoughts on, on her and her background.
3: Well, I, I think I've read everything that Ayn Rand has, has written. I've got uh, CDs of her, all of her works. I think, I've, I think I've hit all of them, and maybe I missed a few, uh, but I, I don't think so. <clears throat> in my personal development, I think the two most important things. First, Bob, to be raised in a Christian moral society. Mm-hmm. Now, that I'm not Christian, as you know. But again that was I think a critical part of who I am being raised in that society and secondly my intellectual development in terms of my my understanding of reality and politics and government and humanity was Ayn Rand uh, through the entirety of her of her of her writings I uh, visited her her grave in Valhalla on on, uh, on two occasions uh, so I have been a, a real a devotee of of Ayn Rand not not just because I'm some cult follower of Ayn Rand as uh, many people who follow Rand are described as being but because of the incredible wisdom that this that this immigrant from uh, at that time Soviet Russia uh, has made on the mindset of, of many Americans. Uh, it is described uh, in in surveys as being the second most influential book be, uh, after the Bible uh, in American life. Uh, that would be Atlas Shrugged, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about specifically. So I'm, I'm bringing up Ayn Rand now, particularly because there was a surprising essay that was published by one of the staff at, at Fox News yesterday on... On Iran, uh, so it sort of highlighted the uh, the the I guess the remembrance of her significance and my desire to encourage um, people to uh, to read Iran. I will note when I was teaching up at Sing Sing. Uh, and I would cite Ayn Rand on many occasions. Uh, and at, as I left there one uh, uh, one semester, I gave a complete set of of Ayn Rand's writings uh, to the the Sing Sing Library. So uh, I guess that that shows my uh, my connection to Ayn Rand, uh, yeah. my commitment to the ideas, not to the person, but to the ideas. Uh, you know, I think it, it should be understood. And I think one of the most important things she she ever. She indicated you can avoid reality, but you cannot avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. Now, she said many penetrating things, but if we just consider that one thought that, you know, certainly as the left does, they consistently deny reality. But again, uh, we are not, and we are experiencing that now, we are not avoiding the consequences of having ignored reality. Uh, so if you look at the entirety of her philosophies on, on the uh, support she gave to the American Declaration of Independence, uh, the, the support for our Constitution, the support for this country, uh, I think this is a woman that should be read. Now, Before I finish, let me just mention, I had uh, just recently read a book called The Soul of Atlas, subtitled Ayn Rand, Christianity, A Quest for Common Ground. One of the problems has always been that Ayn Rand was an atheist, not, not an atheist of aggression, just she was. And so there's been a general resistance in much of the right community to to acknowledge the other writings that Ayn Rand offered. So this book, The Soul of Atlas, does everything it can to reconcile that difference and does so successfully that there's no inherent conflict between the philosophies, the ideas, the concepts of Ayn Rand, and basic the basic ideas of classical Christianity. Uh, so again, I'd like to point that out, because I remember I uh, Rush Limbaugh had discovered Ayn Rand back around 1995, and he was lording her to high heaven. And that was the last time he mentioned her. I believe he he, he suppressed his his, uh, support of Ayn Rand because of the fact that she was an acknowledged atheist. I think that's a shame. I think we cannot lose ideas like the ones from Tom Paine, like the ones from Ayn Rand, because of that. And this book, The Soul of Atlas, does a great job at showing that there is no inherent value system or philosophic, philosophic difference between Ayn Rand's writings and the classical words of Christianity, Bob.
1: Well, thank you for that, And on a different level, too. I think if you read Atlas Shrugged right now, you see so many parallels between, also in 1984, of course, but the parallels between society and the reaction to great people, like Donald Trump, for example, and uh, what's happened in, in Atlas Shrugged. It's just uh, the, the whole society teams up. To, to destroy good people.
3: And I would, I'd like to point, I mean, Atlas Shrugged is certainly her, uh, <clears throat> her most significant uh, novel, uh, philosophic novel, because that was her main uh, thing with writing these, not to, not to write a novel, but to p- present philo- philosophy within a real-world circumstance in a novel. Uh, but her other book, a major book, The Fountainhead, certainly if, uh, if your audience is interested in, in uh, doing some follow-up reading, uh, if we look at Howard Rourke's Uh, defense speech in The Fountainhead. He's appearing in a court. I won't go into the details of that. We don't have time right now. But if your audience is interested, look at The Fountainhead, read Howard Rourke's defense speech during the uh, trial in The Fountainhead. It is an amazing, amazing statement of liberty for the individual.
1: And I will say the speech on money in uh, the other book uh, was just fantastic as well. Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Your commentary on the show is just so important, so interesting. I really appreciate you joining us here on the show. I'll see you Friday, Bob. I look forward to it. Well, We're going to have some breakfast at Bee's. Well, that's a wrap here on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow, including uh, Christy Vigili. She is a Individually, I should say, she is a, a member of the staff at the found a foundation. I should say for the Florida F- Citizens Alliance. Uh, we'll be talking about microschools. Also, Seat Motley is the founder and president of less government, and Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you spread the word, let people know, because uh, that's one of the ways we uh, reward our adver- advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. That said, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or